Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. So really uh, interested in this interview, been looking forward to it. I'm going to be chatting with uh, Dick Russell. He's a multiple New York Times bestselling author, and he's author of a book called The Real RFK Jr., Trials of a Truth Warrior. You're, you've been writing, and you've been writing particularly in the public policy space and politics space for years. Give us a little more uh, background and a little more information about uh, uh, the work you've done and what has led you to writing this particular book of, of a person who has really caught on uh, in surprising fashion when you consider the uh, media's efforts to uh, make him nothing more than a gadfly. Yeah, well, that's certainly true. Uh, good morning, Kevin. Good to be with you. And uh, I've written 15 books on a wide variety of subjects, uh, everything from natural history to, to uh, the assassination of President Kennedy uh, to now uh, two new biographies coming out, one on the psychologist James Hillman and this uh, book, The Real RFK Jr. And the reason I wrote it, I mean, I've known uh, Bobby Kennedy uh, as, a, as a friend and a colleague for uh, almost, you know, more than 20 years. We worked together on environmental uh issues back in the, in, you know, when we first got to know each other. And um, I decided that this was a, about a year ago uh, that a, a biography should be written of him that, that shows who he really is because he'd been so maligned in, in the media and, um, you know, denied the ability to even write a letter to the editor when, when these attacks on him were coming out over primarily his stands on, on public health. And, um, you know, I knew him very well, and I had a lot of respect for him, and I felt like uh, an accurate picture of him should be put out there. So that's why I, I wrote The Real RFK Jr. Yeah, it's, and I haven't had a chance to read it. I got the, you know, the information about it last week. I look forward to reading it. And I have been working very hard at uh, – because he's now a player, which surprises me. I didn't think he'd be a player. Um, I, I, I uh, really consider them um, a really fringe-type uh, candidate in terms of how the larger population would look at him, and the larger population wants to take a closer look at him. So I've been trying to look at him talking rather than people talking about him, which I think is really important uh, for anyone when you're looking at political candidates. Um, you know, and... and uh, He's different from how he is uh, projected by the media as a whole, in my honest opinion. And again, I, I mentioned this before we got started. I'm a skeptic. I'm very skeptic, skeptical about him. Uh, frankly, in general, having had work in politics for over 20 years, including on U.S. Senate campaigns and on Capitol Hill, that's probably uh, fueled a lot of my skepticism. <laughs> so uh, before I got into media, I worked a lot uh, directly in politics, and so that probably fueled that. But... Um, He's an interesting candidate, and it's very difficult to dismiss. And uh, I know a lot of people, frankly, most of whom are Republicans, to be honest with you, who are seriously considering voting for him. And uh, I don't know if that's just to be a spoiler to the Democrats. Um, and, of course, the Democrats, the elite part of the Democratic Party, uh, in which, by the way, I fundamentally believe the Democratic Party is an elite party, uh, and the Republican Party is, is equally uh, disconnected and out of touch, uh, but in different ways. Um, I, you know, that, the elites are ter seem terrified of him, which I find fascinating. Uh, but then again, of course, I think uh, uh, in terms of incumbents, uh, Joe Biden's got to be one of the weakest ever 
in, in history. The only context he ends up winning is in a race against Donald Trump, which I don't know if he's going to get the nomination. I sincerely have my doubts. So that's a lot there. Go ahead and play with that. Yeah, well, you know, I think the reason that so many people are attracted to him is, is not just because of his family name. Um, he certainly does come from a very rich heritage, and his, his father and, and his uncle who were both assassinated, you know, were remarkable uh, political figures and, and really you know, fighting for a better America. And and I think people are responding to, to Bobby Jr. because he's, he does tell the truth, and he's not, you know, he's not politically tied. He's he's because that's his family, you know, it's, he's all, it's traditional. But, um, you know, he's very much opposed to a lot of the policies that are currently um, in play with the Biden administration. You know, he's come out and talked about the, the war in, in, in Ukraine and has the desperate need we, we should be involved in to settle it, which he thinks he would he would be able to do. He's talked about the situation at the border um, where the, the drug cartels from Mexico are bringing all these people across. I mean, he's willing to take up issues that most people, you know, most candidates uh, are not. And so I think, you know, people have had it. People are fed up with this, this the, the two-party system that is just not really uh, responding to what they need. And, create, you know, we've seen this merger of corporate and state power that's really unprecedented in American history. And, and you know, 15 new billionaires created, uh, 150 maybe, I forget the exact number, during the pandemic and at the expense of the middle class, you know, with all these businesses shuttering and that shutting their doors. And, and those are the kinds of things that he's he's addressing and, and I think what people are responding to. Yeah, and it's interesting. There's a very well done town hall by uh, News Nation. And uh, somehow they figured out, you know, first of all, News Nation has the advantage of being a relatively new still relatively light on the radar screen, you know, that type of thing. You know, let's not give them too much attention. It's probably how some of the big guys uh, handled it. But frankly, uh, I, I thought Elizabeth Vargas did a phenomenal job of walking that tightrope of uh, recognizing that there is a uh, huge bias against him in the media culture, not necessarily the larger culture. And uh, this is a tension that the media seems to be tone deaf about, is that they – that the, the people that are their, their customers, uh, their readers, um, really don't like being told what to believe or what to think. And Elizabeth Marcus did a really good job talking of, uh, to him and uh, giving him an opportunity to speak. And the more he sp- spoke, frankly, the more clear he was. What I like about him, having had consulted candidates on how to talk about different issues, candidates, especially if they don't believe, they just gravitate towards couching. It's all about couching. How do I couch this in a way that offends as little as possible and motivates those I'm trying to get to be motivated? You don't hear that when you hear Robert Kennedy Jr. speak. You don't hear any of that um, manipulation or couching going on. Everything he says, he sounds like a true believer. And I like the fact that he's very eyes wide open when he talks about things. You know, he talks yeah. about gun control. You know, uh, you know, and how really how really he talks he talks about gun control like an opportunity cost. It's like Don Quixote chasing windmills when you've got a Second Amendment, the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which is and really those Ten Amendments are more sacred than the document of the Constitution itself. Uh, you know, you, they're, they're very hard to change those, and yet what we hear about is trying to change something that cannot be changed without a huge sweeping uh, change of government. And he just talks about that, yet there's so many other things that could be addressed, but 
particularly the left, doesn't seem to want to address that. It's just real transparent. There's a transparency there that I think does resonate with people. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, you know, I've been – I really hope people will buy the real RFK Jr. because it, it really covers his, his – uh, not only his his career as an environmental advocate, which is amazing, uh, and all the victories he's had, but also where he came from. Because, you know, in the sense of he went through so much as a young person. I mean, imagine, you know, his father is is killed. He's 15 years old. He takes off and he rides freight trains with bums, you know, for that the following summer, and and go, you know, lives with impoverished people in villages in Latin America. I mean, he's. He's somebody who learned, you know, he, he came from the bottom up. He was addicted for years to, to drugs, and he, he, he uh, ended that in 1983. He's still in AA helping people. I mean, he's been down there, you know. And the media, I mean, I've been appalled at, at the way the, the big media that used to lionize him, you know. I mean, he was the darling of the New York Times and the Boston Globe and, and a lot of the cable shows. And, and now, the, you know, I mean, they, they won't, they, they've censored him. He's been kicked off Instagram. And every story just about about him now will, not, will ignore, they, they lump everything as a conspiracy theory, which is really unfair. I mean, he is... He's not a, a, out there spouting crazy conspiracy theories. He is really trying to address the truth, as he sees it, about some really important issues to people, whether it's uh, the pharmaceutical companies and how they control the whole lobbying world and the TV news with their ads to, to you know, the fact that his uncle and his father were killed by conspiracies. And I've studied that. I know it's true. So, you know, uh-huh. and, and, and that's what I think is, is going on. And and, uh, um, and I, I, I really hope that the... I think people see through it. I mean, you know, his his poll numbers are quite favorable, and his favorability rating in one poll by The Economist magazine was even higher than uh, Trump or Biden. So it's going to be an interesting ride. Yeah, and that, that of course, doesn't surprise me uh, because, you know, it, it, it's hard to be someone to have a record to run against, you know, than to be someone who wants to run against that record and not have a record, which that is that is RK Jr.'s advantage, right? Um, sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I look at it. To me, at this early point of the campaign, and he's worth several hundred million. I believe I read 400 million, somewhere in that range. Um, you know, so he has got a lot of financial largesse of his own, which shouldn't surprise anyone. Um, but, you know, he's raising money. He isn't pretending to pay this campaign. He's smart enough to know that if he can't raise money, why bother running? That means you're not going to be able to get the support that you need to take it all away. And so he gets that, and so he's raising money. And he's not raising it from rich people, from what I can tell. I think the average contribution is like 50 bucks or something like that. And that to yep. me is important. That, that, that speaks of a popular uh, type support. He's raised, what, over, over $10 million. That's the last I heard it, and that was a few weeks ago. And it seems to be keeping, um, keep continuing to rise. Uh, every week, and so, and people don't do that just for a name. And if anything, the Kennedy name is a mixed bag at best. It's not pristine by any standard. And so, uh, for everyone that loves that name, there's plenty who don't. And so, uh, there's something there. I think it's a lot to do with authenticity. Authenticity. I think it has a lot to do with realism. You know, I see Biden, for example, who passed. You know, got this this. Uh, didn't get it passed. He, he tried to do it by like an autocrat of uh, student loan debt uh, going away. 
voila, you're gone. As, as if, you know, as in Article 2, the Constitution gives the president that right. It doesn't. There's this thing in Article 1, Section 1, uh, that uh, requires uh, uh, Congress, you know, to be involved. You know, and, and so that was like Don Quixote time-wasting for something that wasn't going to last. Same thing with, with a lot of uh, the Republicans. I think of DeSantis, who, for example, his, his uh, law against uh, that did get passed uh, against Disney, that targeted Disney and the, and the economic district there, which people think Disney is, Disney is the only one with that kind of special district. There's thousands of those districts. Disney's is the big, biggest. But I think there's like 3,000 of those. When the, when the courts look at that, they're going to say, you, couldn't, you can't do this. You're going to overturn this. Either that or you do away with all the districts, which is one of the reasons why people move to, businesses move to California as those districts. And so what they end up doing is they waste time. They're like Don Coyotes. And that realism that I hear from RFK is so different from the romanticism of a DeSantis or a Biden. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um you know, he, he's got a lot of guts, too. I mean, he's willing to to put himself out there. And, and, and again, you know, he's been through so much in his life that uh, he just finally felt, I mean, I talked to him when I was writing The Real RFK Jr. a little bit before he announced his candidacy. And he said, you know, he said, I, I think I've got to do this. I don't know anybody else out there who can bring people together in the way I really feel like I can. And and I think he's exhibiting that. He, he's got a strong appeal uh called Heal the Divide, his campaign. He's got a strong appeal to uh, to a lot of independent voters and, and Republicans, in some cases m- more than with liberal Democrats who've been so uh, swayed by the big media's portrayal of him. So um, I'm hoping that this continues. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm in, in there fighting for him and hoping that uh, my, my biography, The Real RFK Jr., will, will educate more people and more voters about, about who the guy is. Yeah, and I, you know, again, I'll go back to what I said. Great to read that biography. Also read critical biographies. That's okay, too. This is how we get a nuanced view. So much in our culture seems to be hostile to nuanced views, and, and, and that's why everyone seems to hate each other, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah. But I really encourage people to look up videos or audios of him talking, unfiltered, not the media, you know, taking it and interpreting what they said, which is virtually always in a hostile sort of way. But what he actually says, and what you're going to end up finding is someone with a, a lot of sincerity, high, highly intelligent. Um, I think he, I, I personally do believe he's, he's couched a little bit his views on vaccinations to uh, become more acceptable. Uh, but I'm not sure he's ever been the anti-vaxxer that the media is projecting him to be. The media really loathes nuance. It really does. You're either 100% for something or 100% against something. And uh, that, that has created so many problems. Yeah, it's very, his stance on it is very nuanced. He's never said that he's anti-vax per se. That's the label on him, but he's, he's been calling for a long time for, what, for safe vaccines, safer certainly than what we have. And he's saying, you know, which is true, that there is no pre-licensing 
clinical testing of, of childhood vaccines or the others that we get against a placebo, and that's what he's been calling for. And, you know, he came out and said that he didn't he didn't feel like there had been enough testing of the COVID vaccines, and I, for example, and I think you know, he'd be proven right. I mean, you know, not that they weren't uh, didn't save some lives, but at the same time, there's been a lot of side effects that were ignored. So, um you know, I think our looking at things in black and white terms and just stamping people with these labels is really one of the problems in our country today that, that's divided us in ways we haven't been since the Civil War, really. And he can appeal to both sides. Yeah, no question that, uh, that, that about the assessment of our culture. Uh, we are like a civil war, and it's, it's, it's really horrific. Dick Russell, he's been my guest today. He's author of the book, The Will R.F.K. Jr., Trials of a Truth Warrior, and uh, again, I think it's worth a look. I'm fascinated by how how people are going around the so-called gatekeepers of where we're supposed to go politically, a.k.a. the media, and going directly to him. And that is one of the power of things like YouTube. Uh, but I encourage people to read read more about RFK. I, uh, I remain a skeptic, but I'm an interested skeptic and want to ask more and learn more. And I encourage people to do the exact same thing and uh, get a diversity of opinion. The, the problem is, is that you're going to have to work to find a book like uh, Dick Russell's. You're, you're not going to find a, the bookstores knocking themselves out getting that out there because of the, uh, the media culture out there. You're going to have to work harder to find a view that has Kennedy as anything other than a gadfly, which is how he's largely treated. Uh, but I'm telling you, it's worth the effort. And then when you hear him unfiltered, him talking, really interesting. He has a lot to say. So, Dick, thanks so much for being with us. Kevin, thanks so much for having me. And, of course, the book is available on Amazon if people want to go there and buy it. I hope they do. Yeah, we'll have a link to it at uh, priceofbusiness.com. Thanks for being with us. I am Kevin Price. This is the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. Stay tuned for more after this. <laughs> 